Hello again, everybody. Today, the musings of George Carlin open this up. James Corbett echoes his sentiments. American greatness touches further on the Republican side of the D.C. Uniparty. Meanwhile, Democrats are now the moneyed and billionaire hustlers in media, Wall Street, China, research, and at your, univer- at your universities. You are the mark at the casino, and the house always wins. Not too bright, folks. Not too fucking bright. But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally, you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They say we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. And you say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that, and the kids still can't pass the test. They say, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. And that's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass. The school looks good. Everybody's happy. The IQ of the country slips another two or three points. And pretty soon, all you'll need to get into college is a fucking pencil. (laughs) Got a pencil? Get the fuck in there. It's physics. Then everyone wonders why 17 other countries graduate more scientists than we do. Education. Politicians know that word. They use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things. The flag, the Bible, and children. No child left behind. No child left behind. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't long ago you were talking about giving kids a head start. Head start, left behind. Someone's losing fucking ground here. But there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. 
You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table to figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security. Security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they use to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people. White collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Yeah. You know? And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on. The fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. So there's uh, Mr. Uh, George Carlin, who um, was quite, uh, let's just say he was, uh, um, he was actually a leftist for the most part. I mean, he, I mean, the thing is, you can get a truth from the left or the right. Um, I won't say, I'm sure he believed in, uh, he was just a, a Democrat at heart, but uh, there's been many people that have spoken truths on both sides of the political equation. Uh, they usually are pointing at the other side, but I'm going to try to congeal those uh, two sides together uh, because I don't. Th- the blame is uh, equally shared, and I think if you paid any attention to history, it's just a big ping. It's a ping pong game, and we're just in the middle of it. As he said, it's a big club, and you ain't in it. And he's correct. And now they've congealed this uh, situation. So one thing I thought was entertaining, he mentioned Head Start, and he said no child left behind. And then you, then you have Common Core that came out with the, the Obama administration, and now they're turning to critical race theory. See, these are all rebranding mechanisms that they've used on all of us to um, 
to make it seem like they've come up with something different. No, they've usually just watered something down even further than what it was already watered down to. Uh, American education system was first rate up through 19, by 1950. Um, it's ever since that time frame that it's been gradually going down. Less uh, emphasis on foreign language, left less emphasis on teaching uh, correct history, uh, teaching mathematics and science has been dumbed down. We have pushes and agendas around the country to where they're saying, no, 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 we can't have a... Uh, advanced classes or gifted and talented we can't have too much too too we can't have too hard of problems because that's going to be uh uh undermining of people's ability it's like i i i can't believe that these people consider themselves teachers they're teaching people to be foolish which if and this is a sad thing it, it's being driven from the top it's not as as he said you have no control over it uh people are fighting back at a local level and I'm I'm praying that they can achieve that goal, because the only way they're going to get this this country back is going to be fighting these people tooth and nail everywhere around the country, in every state and every district and every town hall. They're going to have to do this. There is no other choice. Either you do this, or you're going to lose the United States of America. That that is where we're at. Um, I know people think, oh, you're being overly dramatic. Yeah. These are the same people that are that are sucking off corporate America who got a nine to five job sitting in a high rise and they think they're intelligent. Uh, a lot of them are just pushing paper around and the ones that do do something, say, for example, they work in a they work for a, a, interna- a international conglomerate that's building something or other, building new robotics or technology. And from there, from their from their bubble, everything is all hunky dory until uh, they get outsourced or they get downsized. I don't think it was too many years ago that uh, there was a big problem when uh, DC, uh, they were, you know, how they always talk about, oh, you need to learn to code, bro. Well, you need to lo- you need to lawyer up, bro. Uh, there were there were instances where people were outsourcing legal advice to India because, as it turns out, people in India can read English pretty good, too, and can figure out how to put together legal documents just as well as any $500 or $1,000 an hour lawyer can. Uh, they can do all the or the or be a better paralegal or whatever. So, for all the Americans out there that think this can't happen to you, it can and it will. If you continue to continue to suck off these multinational corporations and keep on giving them your money, you're going to you're going to you're just fueling their you're fueling their bottom line. You're fueling their CEO's idiotic decision making, whether he's getting paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. Or pay, getting or lobbying DC and DC is getting paid by the CCP or some other international conglomerate, whether they be the Rothschilds or or Bilderberg Group or uh, whatever uh, conspiracy uh, trips your trigger or doesn't trip your trigger. But know this: there is money flowing into these people's hands. There's a reason why the CIA uh, just appointed a guy named Bill Burns, and he just so ha- or tries to appo- trying to appoint him. And this guy's been getting money through the Carnegie uh, interest, which, of course, has uh, been getting money from the CCP. Here's an interesting example of this. Well, I mean, there's I'm, I'm going to go off script here. I was going to go next to James Corbett. but So there was a 30-second video uh, posted by um, uh, the Gateway Pundit. And it's guy. this guy's named uh, 
Chen Ping, which I'm just going to translate what he what he says. Though you're going to hear if you're if you happen to understand Chinese, great. I'll I'll let I'll play it in 30 seconds and then I'll 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 tell you what he said. If I can get it to run here. 大英貿易戰科技戰尤其是生物戰的成就是歷史上前所未有的跨時代的歷史記錄現在中國國內自由派從美派對美國的崇拜實際上是沒有根據但是在這一次貿易戰和這個生物戰以後把美國打出了原形
Here was a ragtag band of mom and pop, or in this case, millennial, investors going up against the hedge fund billionaires. And just as it seemed they may actually have an effect, the full power of the financial and political system seemed to swoop in to suppress them. But the revelation that retail investors are fighting a rigged game against the Wall Street hedge fund behemoths is hardly a revelation at all. In fact, it is merely the latest example in a long series of events showing that the stock market was never meant to bring riches and fortune to the average investor. Instead, when the story is told in its full context, there is only one obvious conclusion to be drawn. The markets are rigged. You're tuned into the Corbett Report. The stock market is often portrayed in the financial media as a magical crystal ball that can not only tell us about what is happening in the economy, but predict geopolitical events, forecast elections, or even reveal to us the inner workings of the minds of men. All right, so polls are one way of trying to figure out who's going to win. Watching the markets are another. They're pretty good at predicting elections sometimes, too. Valuations on a price-to-earnings basis are below post-crisis averages, leading some to believe that decent fundamentals could, emphasis on could, jumpstart the shares higher. You're Stop. telling me you don't have a crystal ball, and I, I don't, don't, and I don't blame I don't. you. I but don't even if I did, I couldn't say it here. All right. <laughs> well, we could very well see some gains, some pullbacks, more gains. Certainly animal spirits are alive and well, but I would argue it's a very different spirit animal than last year. Since the start of February, our spirit animal is probably the chihuahua. <laughs> but this is a lie. In reality, the markets are driven not by underlying economic fundamentals, as the public is asked to believe, but by the actions of the central banks. This is not even a controversial point. In 2014, the Bank for International Settlements warned that central banks were causing elevated asset prices. A report from the official Monetary and Financial Institutions Forum that same year warned that central banks around the world, including in Europe, are buying increasing volumes of equities, and the same authorities that are responsible for maintaining financial stability are often the owners of the large funds that have the potential to cause problems. And in 2016, in the midst of the historic bull run that has seen the Dow Jones and S&P indexes reach all-time record high after all-time record high, economist Brian Barnier published a report documenting that between the beginning of the Federal Reserve's quantitative easing program in 2008 and the first quarter of 2015, the Fed was directly responsible for 93% of equity value growth in the U.S. This modern era of central bank-dominated markets, however, is only the latest version of a game that is as old as the markets themselves. At base, it's a con game where the rich and powerful employ a raft of confidence men to lure suckers into the latest market mania. In this game, the suckers are the general public who are left holding the bag as the market bubble bursts while the smart money swoops in to buy up the leftover assets at pennies on the dollar. So that's a pretty good opening from from him on this particular topic. Uh, he goes into the history here. Um, I think the uh, next pitch I want to make is to American great, Greatness, which uh, they wrote an article. This was uh, published on the 14th by uh, Tal Bachman. Um, I was watching uh, the War Room, so I'll give a shout out to them. Uh, and it, it's really titled simply "The Republican Party Sucks." 
and he, he goes back through the history. It's pretty tightly written, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave off with, or start with the part that that uh, resonates with most of us, and we can we can uh, generate our conclusions from this. But starting with the presidency of George Herbert Walker Bush, it really began sucking. It was Bush Sr. who pushed America into the first Persian Gulf War amidst a, a massive PR snow job involving fake stories about little Kuwaiti kids. It was Bush who framed that war as a glorious opportunity, a morally obligatory step towards a new world order by which he meant the eventual dissolution of national borders, including those of the United States, and the rise of a one-world government. He also pushed economic corollaries to his political one-worldism. He relentlessly preached free trade ideology, eventually signing NAFTA in December of 1992. He laid the groundwork for the World Trade Organization, which would officially emerge in 1995. He began pushing for open trade with communist China. He refused to protect American manufacturing, auto manufacturing, amongst other types. Against, against subsidized imports intended to destroy American industries. His 1990 Immigration Act triggered a perpetual flood of cheap Latin American labor, which eventually undercut working-class wages at home. Every step of the way, establishment Republicans supported him. All in all, in just four years, the Republican Party under Bush Sr. initiated the deindustrialization de of the United States of America, the devastation of thousands of working-class communities and families, the acceleration of disruptive demographic change, and the national slide towards dependency on, that is, controlled by China. This should be noted that uh, uh, Bush uh, was in China in the mid-1970s. He was uh, one of their ambassadors to China, and then he became director of the CIA in 1976. So Bush's uh, march through the UN, he was also a UN ambassador. Obviously, he was always working in Intel. So this goes to goes to the entire diorama of the fake uh, the fake Republican, um, the pure neocon neoliberal world order new world order, which is just about which now is being really being pushed heavily through uh, the World Economic Forum, uh, the Xi Jinping's new world order, and the the the, the pivot of Chinese supremacy. So if anyone has betrayed our country more than anybody, it would be George Herbert Walker Bush, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Bill Clinton. And now Joe Biden is going to finish the job. And these people were all parasites. Joe Biden, Joe Biden actually voted for, voted against, uh, <laughs> this is funny, He's, he actually voted against uh, uh, installation of George uh, Herbert Walker Bush as CIA director back in 1976 when he was a young uh, uh, young senator uh, but he's been a parasite he's been a boil on the side of the United States of America for 45 47 or 48 years now I guess Joe Biden but they're all the same people you notice it's the same sludge that has occupied that uh, occupied our politics if you can name two of the most despicable human beings that have ever been involved in politics it would be Hillary Rodham Clinton, who was involved with Nixon in Watergate uh, trial, and George Bush and his uh, his uh, offspring, uh, and their uh, their uh, uh, connection in politics. And those two particular families, the Bushes and the Clintons, were part and parcel to the Steele dossier. 
uh, oppo research using uh, um, what you call Perkins Coy and uh, uh, Fusion GPS to sabotage Donald Trump. This is just power. This is just power plays from them, and they have they have one thing in mind: destroy this country. They don't care what they want to. They make money on our collapse. They're betting against the United States of America. They have bet bet against their own. They bet against this country while running the show. It's it's a it's 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 actually quite quite uh, telling. It's quite uh, neat. It's quite a, a, a quite a, a feat of skill to pretend that you care about America while you actually turn around and destroy it. I mean, Bill Gates is behind Common Core, and what has Common Core dot done? It's uh, made people, uh, made major students less educated, uh, driven, uh, driven education into the ground while China rises. This is being done on purpose to your children. They're destroying your, destroying your entire families. They're destroying the American dream because they're trying to turn it over to China because they can make money off of it. They make money off disaster. They make money off war. They make money off exploiting you. And yet we've elected these SOBs over and over and over again. And it's time to stop. It's <laughs> If you don't, well, then it's over with. Uh, that's me on my soapbox. So <laughs> I'll go back to his writing. Uh, Tao writes, so obviously all that sucks. What also sucks is that ever since the Republican Party, with only a few exceptions here and then, has just sucked more and more. <laughs> Take W's tenure including an FBI which failed to intercept a devastating 9-11 terrorist attack months in the making, which killed 3,000 uh, people despite many opportunities for detection. It included W's proto-woke demand immediately after the attack that we all become as rea- reality-resistant as he was and denied all sense of reason that Islamic terrorism had anything to do with Islam. It includes his refusal to consider any alter, alteration of Middle East immigration in the, into the country. Middle Eastern immigration into the country it includes the legitimization and foundation of the lawless pan, panopolit, uh, pano, uh, panoptical surveillance state we now live in. Let me, yeah, he used a better word than I could have. It includes large-scale Middle Eastern wars, poorly prosecuted, initiated with little or no exit strategies, fueled by delusions that Iraqis and Afghans not only wanted something like American-style secular liberal democracy, but also were capable of maintaining it. To top it all off, it includes policies which helped trigger the 2008 financial crash. And once again, establishment Republicans supported him the whole time. So that sucks too. Subsequent presidential candidate Mitt Romney and John McCain also sucked, as did their whole 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 do nothing lot of congressional Republicans between Bush and Trump. Unsurprisingly, the Republican Party continued sucking once Trump arrived, and we'll just leave it at, leave it at that. So we're going to go back to Mr. Uh, uh, Corbett uh, for a brief spell and let him um, uh, kind of carry this forth. Let's see if I can get to a good spot here. The risks, the risks are also, also huge. huge. Unless, Unless, of course, you know something bad, bad is going to happen to the company, company you're betting, betting against. This, this could very well be insider, insider trading at the, the worst, worst, most horrific, most, most evil use you've ever seen in your entire life. In the wake of 9 11, 
researchers began to uncover a money trail that proved those with advanced knowledge of the attack had indeed used their insider information to profit from the events of that day. In addition to the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States, the governments of Italy, Germany, Belgium, and other countries began their own investigations into a series of trades betting against companies that were hurt by 9-11, like Boeing, Merrill Lynch, United Airlines, Munich Re, and others, and betting on companies that profited from the attacks, including a six-fold increase in call options on the stock of defense contractor Raytheon on September 10, 2001. In subsequent years, not one, not two, but three separate peer-reviewed papers concluded that the unusual trading in the weeks prior to 9-11 were consistent with insiders anticipating the 9-11 attacks. But incredibly, the SEC investigation into this money trail was abruptly terminated, and the records of that investigation were subsequently destroyed. Why? Because, as researchers like Kevin Ryan, Michael Rupert, and others later discovered, the trail led them to the doorstep not of Al-Qaeda, but well-connected American businessmen and intelligence officials. So right after the attacks of 9-11, uh, the, uh, the name Buzzy Krongard surfaced, and just the, it was instant research that revealed that Buzzy Krongard had been uh, allegedly recruited by CIA Director George Tenet to become the executive director at CIA, which is the number three position right before the attacks. Uh, uh, and, and, and Alex Brown was one of the, uh, then a subsidiary of Deutsche Bank, uh, was one of the primary instruments or vehicles that handled all of these criminal, uh, trades by people who obviously knew that the attacks were going to take place where, how, and, and involving specific airlines. So did you catch that? Um, CIA Director George Tenet. Now, that name doesn't really hold any cachet nowadays, but uh, it should because he is probably one of the most um, deepest uh, swamp creatures there is. Uh, he's been involved with the Sun Valley Conference, which in, involves bringing out the, the muckety-mucks of the uh, the technology and, and business world. I mean, like the Gateses, the the Tim Cooks, the you know those kind of people, the... What's his face? The guy from uh, Google. I can't even think of his name right off the top of my head. But people like that show up at this particular uh, conference. Oprah, you know, they they it's it's a big uh, it's it's basically uh, the what do you call it Jackson Hole for technology group uh, situation. So anyway, George Tennant, he uh, he walks around with guys like uh, Tim Cook. Multiple times I've been caught on a camera on different days, so they're they're always uh, walking and talking. And this is your former CIA director, and he works as the I think he's the chief director of Allen and Company, which does merge uh, corporate mergers. Uh, they actually worked with a worked on a corporate merger with uh, um, involving Time Warner, uh, AT and T, those kind of deals. Um, so they're all involved in your information and control of information, and the CIA is deep embedded in Hollywood. So why is this important? Well, if you think about it, I mean, George Tenet worked as the CIA director for both Bush and Clinton, uh, you know, was working under both auspices. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that you would have uh, the, the, this guy happens to be at the forefront of 9-11, 
um, and the people that were also at CIA. Matter of fact, one of the chief is one of his. Uh, uh, what would you say is one of his uh, bigger? Uh, what do you call it? Um, assets was a guy named uh, Joseph Carfor Black, who was the uh, director for chief of counterterrorism. So obviously, this is a nine eleven attack. This is considered a terrorist. So you had this guy Joseph Carfor Black who. Who was involved in this? He works for the Bushes. He knew Bush from the seventies. He uh, he worked at later for uh, Mitt Romney for five years in uh, intelligence, and then oh by the way, he pops down in Burisma in uh, February twenty seventeen, basically as a uh, probably Joe Biden's cutout to babysit for Hunter Biden. So these people are all just you know they run you they run you from behind they run they pull the strings of what they need to pull in order to get the the result that they expect to get if they can't get it by that if they can't get it quickly they'll get it through other means they use media they use technology they give you a false sense of reality that you know that things are all okay but really they're just exploiting their positions um, we've put in a lot of parasites all over the world so uh let's see see whether i want to go further with this so we'll let it go for a couple more minutes and then uh we'll go go from there i came across this document that had been released a memorandum memorandum for the record of the 9-11 commission was prepared by a staff member of the 9-11 commission his name is douglas greenberg and uh, he reviewed simply um the FBI's meetings on, uh, on on their communications related to this. And uh, this document identified a couple of companies that were flagged by the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. And uh, one of them, uh, this was September 21st, just 10 days after the attacks. One of these companies that was flagged was called Stratisec, and this is a very interesting company because it's a security company that had contracts for the World Trade Center in Dulles Airport, where one of the planes took off on 9-11, as well as United Airlines, which owned two of the other three planes. So this security company, Stratisec, is a, was a very central player in, um, in the events of 9-11, you could say, because they ran security for these different areas in the years leading up to 9-11. So for them, this company stock to be flagged by the SEC was very compelling. And when I looked at this document prepared by the 9-11 Commission, which wasn't released until 2007, I noticed that uh, the, the names had been redacted of the stock traders, but I could make out uh, who they were. In particular, one of them was a director of the company, Stratisec. He was also a director of a company in Oklahoma, an aviation company. He was also a director of a Washington, D.C.-based financial organization. With just that information, you could tell very clearly that this man was Wirt Dexter Walker. He was the chief executive officer of Stratisec and also a director there. His wife, Sally Walker, was also named in the uh, flagging by the SEC. So I began looking into that. And the last thing I was going to 
believe he was his National Reconnaissance Office who was running a, a drill, a plane crash into their building. And you know they're staffed by DOD I and know CIA. The, right? I know the guy that went into his broker in San Diego and, and said, cash me out, it's going down tomorrow. Really? Yeah. That tells us something. Wow. That tells us something. Well, his brother worked in the White House. Horrific as these instances of insider trading are, an even deeper layer of the story lies in the fact that these trades, unlike the high-profile show trials of Martha Stewart and other stories of the week, never result in prosecutions. The protection afforded the 9-11 inside traders speaks to an even deeper layer of the problem. The use of the markets to line the pockets of insiders and their political cronies is not a bug in the system, but a feature. In fact, the entire system has been designed to be manipulable, ensuring that the little guys never have a chance against the billionaire bankers and hedge funds. A clue to this story goes back to the most well-known event in stock market history, the Great Crash of 1929. Even there... I would go on further there, but you can... Uh, I put the link in the description to this. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, put-together by uh, James Corbett, and he does really good work. Um, there is one piece I will play you know, if I can get down to it. Um, he talks about Kennedy and Ma Bertie Madoff, and it, 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 the thing is that we're going to find out is our government is uh, less than um, interested in finding out evidence or truth. So let me see if I can get to that piece, and then we'll we'll close out on on Co Corbett. Hi. Yeah, yeah, that, that against all the other Chase shareholders who had trusted in his hype about the firm. Another person who profited greatly from the financial crash was Joseph P. Kennedy, father of future President John F. Kennedy. The famous story, likely apocryphal but parroted by NPR, The Washington Post, PBS, and any number of mainstream outlets, is that Kennedy, a savvy stock trader, knew the market was overheated when a random shoeshine boy gave him stock tips. If this story is to be believed... Joe's random interaction with the shoeshine boy in 1929 was one of the most profitable conversations of his life. A little further. We'll, we'll get to the money shot of what I was trying to get to. A subsequent <laughs> Inspector General report made the scope of this failure even more unbelievable, finding that between June 1992 and December 2008, when Madoff confessed, the SEC received six substantive complaints that raised significant red flags concerning Madoff's hedge fund operations and should have led to questions about whether Madoff was actually engaged in trading. After excoriating the agency for its incompetence time and again over the course of two decades of failed opportunities, the report concludes, As the foregoing demonstrates, despite numerous credible and detailed complaints, the SEC never properly examined or investigated Madoff's trading and never took the necessary but basic steps to determine if Madoff was operating a Ponzi scheme. Had these efforts been made with appropriate follow-up at any time beginning in June of 1992 until December 2008, the SEC could have uncovered the Ponzi scheme well before Madoff confessed. I gift-wrapped and delivered the largest Ponzi scheme in history to them, and somehow they couldn't be bothered to conduct a thorough and proper investigation because they were too busy on matters of higher priority. If a $50 billion Ponzi scheme doesn't make the SEC's priority list, then I want to know who sets their priorities. Similarly, when Enron shook the markets in 2001 by declaring the then-largest bankruptcy in history after its systemic accounting fraud was exposed, 
the question of the SEC's role in the scandal arose. Why had the agency not caught on to the scam? A subsequent Senate committee report excoriated the commission, noting that the watchdog had only opened one unrelated investigation into Enron in the past decade, that it repeatedly missed warning signs of corporate misconduct, that it granted the company unusual leeway in using mark-to-market accounting for its transactions, and did not even seek to validate the models employed by the energy giant. In the end, the committee concluded that the entire affair represented a systemic and catastrophic failure of the SEC. So there's a there's another historical mo- or two historical moments. I remember the the Madoff scheme when it, it broke, and it you know there were many people that he caught up in it, and including some people that were very 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 well off and whatever. But he managed to sucker them. And then Enron, we should all know that because there's where your uh, a regular a new regulations of Sarbanes Oxley, which is a sh- uh, which is a, a sham too. It doesn't really provide any protection whatsoever because they found uh, there were in this particular uh, episode. Um, he talks to some people that were involved with that and found out there was a backdoor into it and there's a way to still change the information. So really, it doesn't provide any of the the transparency or any of the actual information needed to do what it needs to do here's the here's the money shot we know they don't play by the same rules that we do they make up the rules as they go along they're morally they have no moral foundation they have no moral principles and they they also they they play play this game of well if we don't do it the other guy does well here's the thing you don't play with people who are who are, are screwing you over and this has been become the problem with america in the United States. Not only do we have this crony capitalism and we have this now, we have this marriage between uh, the private sector and uh, uh, government regulatory commissions and the FBI or they're using Twitter and they're using technology to track us all down and do all this little kind of stuff. You notice how uh, they've made a uh, a big production and actually a big push to go after anybody who happened to be in D.C., See that this is this is this is their way of showing their power. This is their way of showing we are in control and you are not. Um, the fact that they allowed this to go on throughout the country over the summer matters not to them because that was intentional. See, it's okay if they do it, but if we if we raise our voice at all, then we are the evil ones. But they can go ahead and just burn down this country, and if they do it on their watch. And as long as they have the military might behind them, they could care less. They don't care what the sheep think. They don't care. As a matter of fact, they want you to go home, shut your mouth, watch your TV, and then go back to work. And, and the only people that are allowed to play in their sandbox is the ones that they vet that they think are, are worthy of their worthy admission to their, their little uh, exclusive club, inclusive club. And it's filled with derelicts and, and people that are uh, progeny of the the former scions of this country who are all despicable, like the Bushes and the Clintons, you know, pretty much every, and now the Obamas. It's like everybody's got their little niche of corruption in D.C., and they're all just uh, uh, exploiting this country on its way down. And the only way you can get them out is if we can get fair, free and fair elections. And you notice how they're fighting us tooth and nail and how they're uh, using their proxies like the Stacey Abrams and and whatnot, and the media complex to 
to label us all Nazis and racist and everything else because they don't have any other they don't have an argument they just have smears and and of course that those smears work for the the sheep that they've been feeding propaganda for the last five to ten years uh, 24 7 that this is a this is a racist country this is a despicable country this is all being propagated by the people that fund them which are big corporate America the leftist on the coast, the the Chinese Communist Party, they're all lying together. And the only they they don't have any rationale whatsoever. They just they just want to make money. They don't care how they get it. They're literally sucking the, the marrow dry out of this country. They're just draining us dry because they don't have anything they have nothing of worth, nothing of value. They're a bunch of parasites. And the parasites are they run and run companies they run Wall Street. They run technology. Oh yeah, they're 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 extremely powerful, but they're also extremely afraid. They're afraid that they know that we do outnumber them three hundred million to however many they are. You know, ten thousand or a hundred thousand. The only thing that stands between the only thing that stands between them and uh, and us is that the fact that they have the they, they're trying to right now subvert the the United States military to stand against us and go out and do their bidding for them. That's why they're trying to destroy the police forces so that they can they can infiltrate them and put put only leftists in there, put in their loyalists, pay them off, and and say, okay, go out and take care of these people um, because we they hate us, they hate everything we are, they hate anybody who believes in this country, and they don't care who they have to 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 uh, destroy. That's why they want to get to the youth. That's why they want to subvert the children. That's why they want to dumb them down, make them dumb. They want to make them dumb, pliable, and easily controllable. This mask, this COVID-19, and all this other kind of sham, that's why they keep on pushing this agenda. And everybody in this country should be smart and should wake up. If you're an adult, and if you ran your life for the last 30 or 40 years, you damn well better be uh, be prepared to, to throw down with these people because they, they have no compunction about what they want to do. They, they, aren't, they aren't hiding anything from you. And if you think it's about Trump or think it's about uh, stopping him or thinking that, oh, you know, we're afraid of white people, blah, blah, blah. No, you shouldn't be afraid of white people. You should be afraid of Washington, D.C. You should be afraid of the Chinese Communist Party. Those people are, they're absolute terrorists. They don't care what they do to you. I don't care if you knew them a long time ago. They aren't the people you think they are, um, especially in D.C. They've been... You've heard all the marks and comments coming out of like uh, George Bush, George W., and Barack Obama, and Clinton, and Carter. They're all in the same boat. They're just they're just different flavors of shit that they've been piling on us for the last you know forty five fifty years. Um, so hopefully we can uh, achieve a better end in the in the long run. So I'm gonna leave it there for today. I kind of got off on a rant not on a tangent but there's a lot to be there's a lot to be aware of out there um we're we're facing down a lot of crises that we're going to have to um we're going to have to do it the we're going to have to do it smartly we're going to have to be strong we're going to have to be like our forefathers our founders were um i was reading that uh i started to read the book uh the end of Indispensables, the, the story of basically colonial America prior to the Revolutionary War. It starts in Massachusetts. 
and I just started reading a bit of it. It's a, it's good because it gives you enough flavor for what those people went through at that time frame and what they were trying to build. The Sam Adamses and uh, John Adams and and the lesser lights that we don't know about the Elderbridge Gary, um, etc. There's there's a lot of new names that I'm getting familiar with. Characters that step on the stage and uh, give you an idea that they were. They were in the they were in the in it for the long run when it comes to this country. And they um, they knew what they had. They were revolting against the taxations. They were revolting against a, uh, uh, being uh, being uh, pressed into service. Believe it or not, back then they used to, especially in the Boston Mass area, they used to uh, the uh, UK or uh, <laughs> the British the British Navy at the time, the British Royal Navy would come and. Uh, snatch up people from the, the islands and press them into uh, work on their ships. They did that around the world. And that was a long time ago. But there were also freedmen. There were uh, people of all shapes and sizes that made our country great. And our country is great. The problem is, is we've had, had a long line of uh, abuses done by people that Saw that saw sought this country out to exploit it now, and they're exploiting they're exploiting it to the bitter end. So we have to stand against that. So God bless the United States of America, and God bless every country in the world that stands up for freedom.